pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for a host of angels in this place. We thank you for the cloud of witnesses, Lord. We thank you for the whole family in heaven coming to meet with us this morning, and we just welcome you. We welcome you here, Lord. We welcome you to have your way in this place. Whatever you want to do, Lord, we just, uh, we just step into that. Step into those heavenly realms. Step into the things that you're doing in heaven, Lord. We lay aside all the things of the week, or even the things of the morning. We focus our attention upon you. We come against any strife or disruptive spirit right now in the name of Jesus, and we speak peace over this place. Lord, that we'd have ears to hear and a heart to receive and a mind to be renewed by your word. We pray these things, and we thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready to receive this morning? Amen. All right. We're talking about feeding your good habits. Feeding your good habits. Now, I know we all probably know our bad habits, or if you don't, somebody who lives with you will tell you your bad habits. Or a family member, if you live by yourself. But uh, we, we are pretty good at knowing our bad habits, and if you don't, I'm sure if you go home and ask somebody, they'll tell you. Um, but Genesis chapter 17 is, um, is all about Abraham, Abr- Abram, who became Abraham. But um, he had to change his habits. Now, habit is a usual manner of behavior or a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition. So habit is something that you do over and over, and once you keep on doing it over and over, it sets a pattern, and then that's a habit. All right, so Genesis chapter 17, we'll see how we go reading this, (laughs) verses 1 to 3. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am almighty God... Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant before me and you, and your descendants after you and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Amen. That's us. That's us. That's good. Right. So God told Abram to habitually walk before him, be, to live before him. That's what he was saying. Was when he made a covenant, he said, and I am a mighty God, walk before me and be blameless. So he was asking him to actually change the way he did things because Abram, he was a, you know, he was a pretty powerful man and he was, he, he, where he came from, he was wealthy at his house. You know, they even had toilets, they reckon, and, and, and Ur, where he came from, and piping and all sorts of things. Anyway, he went off and he was in this tent but, and he went out, but God says to him, I am the Lord God Almighty, walk before me habitually. Live before me. In other words, God was saying, change your habits, put me before you, set your mind on me, make a change of what you're doing, thinking about what you can do, to looking first, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, if you do that, I will make my covenant, a promise, an agreement sealed between me and you, and I will bless you exceedingly, abundantly, multiply you as far as I, you know, I can see, more than the stars of the heaven, more than this grain of sand. By the way, that's our covenant too, because we're sons and daughters of Abraham if we live by faith. That's ours. Just Genesis chapter 12, you can own that one. Yeah. 
Um, Father Abraham shares it around. But um, Abraham fell on his face as a way of saying, I am willing, but I cannot do it without you. God was asking to be first in everything. He still asks that. Abraham had to form new habits if he was going to accomplish the will of God. He had to change the way I'm doing it this way. I know how to do things. I know how to farm. I know how to, you know, do my life. And God was saying, live before me. When you live before God, that means you think about him constantly. He becomes your habit. He becomes who you think about. Live before me. Abraham was accustomed to living for himself. So this new way of living would be a big change for him. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is God has called us to a new life and a new way of living. And it's, it means that we have to change some of the things we're doing and we've got habits. We've got things that we have to do without even thinking about. You know, most of our lives we do the same things we did yesterday, the day before that, and even the month prior to that. It is, now look at this, this is quite, quite impacting. It is estimated that out of every 11,000 signals we receive from our senses, only 40 of them are consciously processed. So you're all the time, things happening, but you can only process about 40 out of 11,000. That means most of what we do is done out of habit. But we can break up old habits, we can make new habits, and we can make natural habits and spiritual habits. Amen? I was reading Joel Osteen's um, book this week and, uh, about Become a Better You, which was a little bit convicting, actually. I was sitting there going, oh, so I'm going to share some of the things I've picked up along the way. If I'm convicted, you can be too. <laughs> but anyway, there's this old Cherokee tale tells of a grandfather teaching life principles to his grandson. The wise old Cherokee said, Son, on the inside of every person, a battle is raging between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He's angry, jealous, unforgiving, proud, and lazy. The other wolf is good. It's filled with love, kindness, humility, and self-control. These two wolves are constantly fighting, the grandfather said. The little boy thought about that, and then he said, Grandfather, which wolf is going to win? The grandfather smiled and said, Whichever one you feed. Which wolf are we feeding? Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So that if you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now, walking in the Spirit is just a habit. Just like Abram was asked to live before God, it had to become, he had to change some of the things he did every day without even thinking. He did things without even thinking, and he had to go, I need to live before God Almighty. And so he had to change things. And living by the Spirit is not about a do's and don'ts lists, it's about a do list. When we walk in the Spirit, we avoid the deeds of the flesh, and we do the things of the Spirit. The Christian walk is not about do and don'ts. It's not about laws and regulations and rules. It's just about doing. That's a nice spin, I don't know, isn't it? It's just about doing what he asks us to do. 
I was preparing a bit more this morning and I was waiting on the Lord and um, I had this word keep on coming to me and it was walking in the Spirit is living yielded to the Spirit. So all we've got to do, this is really easy, is yield. Yield. It's not a struggle, it's not a stress, it's not a striving because we can do all the Christian-y thing and we can wear ourselves out with striving. It's actually just yield. Yield to him instead of our flesh. Yield to the spirit instead of being pulled away from him. If you take anything away this morning, I pray it's that. Yield. Walking in the spirit is yielding to him. He, he, he draws us. He says, come follow me. Come follow me. Actually, come follow me. That's what he's like. And if you just yield and go, Jesus... I just yield to you. I live before you. I choose this day, moment by moment, to yield and live before you. And when we do that, it's not a struggle. It's not because God captivates our hearts and we're just going to, I just want to follow you. I just want to go. You know, it's like this lovely dance, you know. You just yield and you follow him. And I I always have in my mind um, the Matthew DVDs that are quite old now. But Jesus at the very end, as, as the movie is finished and he's walking, walking along the beach and he just goes like this, come follow me. And that's all he says, is just come and follow me and yield the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll show you where, where you're meant to be going. He'll show you the things you're meant to say and do if you just yield. Walking by the Spirit is yielding. And you know what? When we yield to him, we feed good things into our life. We kill off that fleshy old stinky wolf and we yield to the good in us. We're new creations already. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Colossians says that. Set your mind on heavenly things. Set your mind on things of God. And all those things that are around us will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious and wonderful face. Yeah? So yield to him and set your mind on him because then the good stuff and the good habits and the things that he's already put in us, he says you're a new creation. The old has passed away. You're actually brand new. But if we keep on yielding to our flesh, then that beautiful sparkly new thing gets a bit beaten up. We're a new creation. We just got to yield. And then the fruits of the spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the self-control, I miss any? No, that was them. They all just, they, they yield. They come out. It's not a stress. It's like that, you know, Basil the branch trying to get his grapes to come out. You know? And it sounds like he's constipated. And you know what? There's a lot of constipated Christians. We all need some Metamucil. We do. You know it's true. Yeah, because... We, just can do this, and then we fall in a heap, and then we get over to our fleshy side, and we have a spack attack, and a little spit the dummy, and we kick the can, and stamp our feet. My dad used to have this hat, this poppy hat, and he'd be screaming at the deaf dog, because it wasn't doing what he wanted, and he'd throw his hat down and stamp on it like this, and I, so I make sure I try not to do that, <laughs> but he used to entertain us. <laughs> the dog was deaf, I'm not sure what that was going on, but anyway, but we do, because we're yielding what to? To the flesh, 
when God just says yield to the Spirit because that love and joy and peace and all those lovely things that we desperately want to do, it says we, we don't do the things we want to do. We don't say the things we want to say. We don't react the way we want to react because we keep on forgetting who we are, that we're a new creation. Old things have passed away, that we're brand spanking new, never been seen before. It's not you're putting on an old self. You're putting on, you are a new creation. You're from heaven. You're just hanging out on earth. Do you like that? You're from heaven. You're a new creation. You're just hanging around on earth, but you can go up and experience heaven. Yeah? I'll just get happy on those. Yeah, happy, happy. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Next time you complain, ask yourself, do I really want to keep feeding this negative habit, that fleshy side of me? Do I really want to stay where I am? Or do I want to starve this complaining spirit and step up into all that God has asked us to be, all that he's given us to be. He died on the cross and he says, I came to give you fullness and abundant, overflowing life. But it's our choice. Everything he's given us for life and godliness, he's given us by his spirit. It's in there. It's, you've been given a new DNA. You've been given glory on the inside of you. You've been given power on the inside of you to live the life that God asked us to live. You know, he has a plan. He says, a purpose and a plan where you're still in your mother's womb. I saw you. I know the hair upon your head. I know the lines upon your face. I know you. I know your difficulties. I know the stresses. And he says, but you have everything because you are a new creation. You know, and sometimes, I'll just borrow a Justin Abraham <laughs> little analogy. It's like we have this old hag that is a dead, old dead man or dead woman, and we pick up that old hag and we strut it along, and it's like, you know, sitting beside us in church, you know, and we have this old hag, and we're like, <laughs> be nice, people. <laughs> and, we, and we try it on, and sometimes that old hag gets a bit heavy, and we're like, I just want to run. And we've got this stinky old hag that's rotting away on us because it's our old dead side. When you came to Jesus, your life was buried with him. That's what baptism is all about. It was buried. That thing is dead. Why are you pulling it out and carrying that old dead corpsey hag around with you? You're a new creation. You don't have to have the hag. Bury her again. Hallelujah. I'll just preach myself happy. I don't want the old hag. She's not very pretty. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's got her false teeth all falling out and, you know. <laughs> it's true. We all know we carry that old hag around. Come on now. Now, do you really want to keep feeding that old hag? <laughs> or would you like to start feeding the peace and the patience and the kindness and the gentleness and see those things come out in our life and develop in our life because God has given it all to us. It's whether we choose to feed the old hag, the fleshy dead thing that's dead and buried. You dug it up again. It's not like Lazarus where he came out and he was all bringing you. That's a dead thing. Or we take hold of and feed what God has already given you. You are a new creation. Don't listen to the stinky lies of the enemy that says you're not, that you're not worthy, that you're not forgiven, that nothing good is going to happen, and no, you can't be blessed. Blah, 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 blah. That's the lies of the enemy. It's the lies of the enemy. 
because he tries to steal from us what God has given us. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. The biggest thing for us as Christians is to get hold of that. If we can get hold of that we are a new creation, that we're from heaven, yeah, then, thank you, Lord, that then we're unstoppable. Now, that's the possible happens. The impossible gets written out. The impossible is with the hag. Bury it. Stomp on it. Get your foot. Lift it up. And say, hag, you get back down on the ground. <laughs> yeah? Sometimes we've got to get stroppy and recognize things for what they are. If you've got stuff that keeps on coming up, you say, hag, you get off me. If you saw a, a dead old hag coming along and somebody attached it to you, would you just sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, that's lovely to see you, lady. That's lovely to see. What would you do with it? You'd throw it as far as you can, and then you would run the other way. Don't tell me you'd sit there and make friends with it. I'll pray with you. <laughs> you wouldn't. You would, get, you would run the other way, and yet that old hag comes and says, oh, come over here, let me tempt you. Come and sit at the computer and look at this stuff. Let's, you know, get, when you're, when you're, the, the sugar temptation is calling you when you know that you really shouldn't eat it, come and eat, come and eat just before you go to bed and all those extra calories, and you're struggling. I just want to be fit, I want to be healthy, I want to be able to run my race and live till I'm over 120, but that old hag is calling in the kitchen. That old habit of overeating, that old habit of just, you know, when you're stressed, what do you do? The old hag, it goes, have a meltdown on Monday morning because everything's not going around. You've lost your socks. Yeah? That's the old hag thing. That's the old. And we have to make a decision. Do we want to feed that thing or do we want to run the other way? Because God says in Corinthians that he will always give us a way of escape. He will always give us a way to get out. It's whether we want to go and hang out with the old hag. I'm really going to push this because then you're going to get a real distaste for that old hag and you're going to run the other way. So when she starts to call you or he starts to call you, come over here, you go, you get back in the grave. You're dead. You're dead. I'm no longer that. I have no part of that. That's dead and buried. I have nothing. I have nothing to do with you because I'm a new creation. And you run the other way. You run from temptation. You run out of there. If you have trouble in the supermarket going down one aisle, run the other way. <laughs> Amen? Amen? If you, if you have trouble with somebody looking at you or they, and you know that they're going, that's the old hag going, be tempted. Be tempted to look. You run the other way. Hey, Lord, let me see the old hag. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Are you getting this? All right. 90% of everyday behavior, so one study says, is based on our habits. From the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, 90% of what we do is habitual behavior. And Jesus says that he breaks old habits and we've got to understand that we're not held by that anymore. And when you see a habit, when you see something that you over and over and over just keep on doing again, know that that's your old you, trying to spring back up again. And instead of going, what do I do, what do I do? Instead of going on autopilot, we've got to make new habits, replace it with something else. You know, we're on autopilot most of the time. 
It's no wonder that when we want to change our life, we have to consciously think about our everyday habits. Take an inventory of what you think and do. You know, we moved, we moved the keys. You're going to think I'm silly, but anyway. We moved the keys from in front of the fridge on the right-hand side to the left-hand side. We moved the key holder. You know, for two weeks, I would walk in, walk past the new thing, and put it, put it up on the wall where there's no keyword, but I would just look, and the keys would fall to the ground. And I'd think, oh, that's right, I moved that thing. You know how long I did that for? A couple of weeks, because I was so set in the habit, walk in the door, put something on the bench. You see, a lot of what we do is not conscious. So to get rid of that stinky old hag out of our life totally and not feed her, that feed the loveliness and the peace and the patience and the new life that God's given us so that it blossoms and it does, it just poof. Yeah? You should see my potatoes. They're just poofing up. <laughs> it's awesome. I didn't have to do anything. I just blessed them and I watered them, you know, and they just poof. And I dug one up by mistake and there's these lovely red potatoes under there. Why? Because it was made to do that. Just like we are made to, when you come to Jesus, he gives us a new life, and that loveliness is just going to... Because why? Because you killed that old hag off. It's dead and buried, crucified, hang on the cross, crucified with Christ we are, the Bible says. And we've been given new life, new life in him. And so we have to think about what we actually, our conversations, what we do just as a routine so that we're not living because our spirit is new, but our soul needs to be constantly renewed. And our mindset needs to be renewed with spiritual habits. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your spirit is brand spanking new, but the things that we do as a habit from our old life, when it tries to spring it back up again, that we need to watch. And as you read, read the Bible, you'll see it. God will show you. He'll say, be forgiving. Don't provoke. Don't hold on to anger. Don't worry. He'll show you. And it's whether you go, oh, well, no, I'll just, that's the way I am. If that's your thinking, that's that old hag springing up again. And we have to yield to the word, yield to the spirit. You know, do we worry all the time? Do we overeat? Do we regularly succumb to addictions? Our habits may not be legally, ethically, or even morally wrong. It's just seemingly innocent actions or attitudes, a little thing. But if you don't do something about it, you can go on for years and years wasting time and energy being unproductive and unprofitable. That is not God's best. Do I need to deal with that? Can you put your foot down? Watch the little foxes. It says, catch the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, says, catch us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. The little foxes would come in under the vines and they would dig and dig and dig and then they would get under and wreck the, the root of the vine so that it would not have any grapes on it. And it's, that God is saying in that, don't spoil the vine by letting in, don't spoil the fruitfulness that God has given you by letting the little things le left undoubt with, the little habits, the little things that we do. Don't let them spoil what God is doing. So take an inventory of your habits. What do you think about? What are you doing that you don't really, you know, even register on every day? What are you thinking about? 
Take an inventory. Are you negative all the time? Do you worry? Are you late for work all the time? Are you disorganized? Because those habits are the things that are quite possibly holding us back from the best that God wants for us. And we can develop better habits. You know, they say that a habit can be broken in six weeks. And some studies tell us that you can break a habit in as little as 21 days. And I know most of you would know that. If you're a dis- to discipline yourself for a month or so and be willing to suffer through the pain of change, you can rid yourself of negative behavior, form a new healthy habit, and raise to a new life and lift your lid, as we've been talking about. It's really just, what is it that you do? Because we can go through not really reflecting, not really thinking about what we do in life. And we, and we miss out on God's best. So what are the habits that you just do without even thinking about that are holding you back? And, and holding you back from yielding to the Spirit, holding you back from the life that God has for you. Successful people develop good habits. So pro golfers practice hitting golf balls nearly every day. Some of them, when they're not in tournament, they'll hit 500 to 1,000 balls. Why do you think they do that? Because when they get under pressure in tournament, their body just does it. And that's why it's so important for us to form good spiritual and physical and mental habits because when we're under pressure, then we just do the good habit and we don't revert back to the old dead thing. That's what God wants us to do. That's why he says, read your word. Read your Bible because when you need the word, when you're under pressure, it's there. It's there. He says, when you pray... Pray every day. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because it's a habit that he says just to get into because he knows stuff is going to come and it'll just be there. When you need him, you know that he's there. It's not like, oh God, are you there still? Because you haven't talked to him for a month. Are we getting this this morning? Our habits become part of our character and if we're allowed ourselves to be disorganized or running late or have anger issues, and they become part of our character. It's not originally part of our character to be a certain way, but if you don't deal with the bad habit, if you feed it, then it actually becomes part of who we are. And that's why it's so important to look and go, identify my bad habits, identify the things I think and do without really even acknowledging them now because they're part of my life, and make a decision to do something about them. How do you do that? You starve your bad habits into submission and start feeding your good ones. So starve that bad thing. Starve the bad habit and feed the good. You need to be able to um, replace the bad habit with, with something good. It's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to, to just let go of a bad habit. You've got to replace it with something else. You know, if you um, spend, just this is something about being disorganized. I was a little bit challenged when I read this. It says, if you look at your everyday habits, if you waste five minutes each day trying to find things that you've misplaced, like your mobile phone, or your glasses, or your notebook, or your keys, at the end of a year, you would have wasted almost a whole day looking for your car keys. Or your mobile phone. Yeah? If you worry for 30 minutes a day, over a year, that's nearly, what is it, a week? 
It's over a week of your life that you've spent worrying. If you spent, if you have the habit of worrying and you don't kill that stinky old hag worry, because Jesus said, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, trust in the Lord, I'll provide for you, I'm with you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What do you got to worry about? I'm your healer, I'm deliverer, I'm everything you need, you're complete in me, you need any more? Yeah? Yeah? He says, do not worry. And then he says, do not worry, fear not, three, over 365 times in the Bible. Amen? And if we, if we go, well, hang on a minute, I don't want to waste a week. Do you really want to waste a week of your life this year? Because you don't get it back. You don't get it back. You know, the devil, he might not have to do too much. He might not have to throw some stinky disease at you or some major catastrophe he just has to let you worry. He just has to, you know, oh. Or get, you know, you, you're disorganized, so you lose, you know, you lose days and hours of your life because we don't deal with our bad habits. He might not have to throw something big at you. It's just we have this habit and we don't deal with it. And so he's stolen off us. He's stolen of us. If we allow ourselves to worry and don't trust in what he says, he's stolen right there, a week of your life. Over five years. How much is that? That's quite a lot, isn't it? That's your holiday's gone. See? See how powerful it is? We've got to take an inventory of what we're actually spending our life doing. God says don't waste a day. Take most, make the most of every opportunity. So we don't want to waste the life and the breath that we've been given because it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. And you know, sometimes it's a little bit sobering how many days we have spent. So I lose my mobile phone quite regularly and I have had the tendency to worry, but I killed the hag. So I don't know how many days I've already missed this, this year of worrying and losing my mobile phone. Too many. How about you? Yeah? So if you're set in your ways over 20, you know, you've been doing the th same thing over 20 or 30 years, it will take a little longer. But if you ask God for help, he says that he will help us. He, if you listen to his promptings, he says he will lead you and guide you. If you listen to the Holy Spirit within us and yield to him and keep the hag where she belongs or he belongs, you're going to have that new life and that new habit formed. You have to be consistent. There's that lovely word again that God keeps on hammering me with, so I'm giving it to you. Consistency, day in, day out, no exceptions. Shara, what happens when you don't exercise and you've been exercising, you don't exercise for a week? What happens to your body? It detrains itself. Did you know that? What a bother. But, you know, that's the same as our mind and our spirit. It's like, you know, our soul, it detrains itself. You, you, so it's no exceptions. No exceptions. You've got to stick to what the habit because you go, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just go over up, up that supermarket aisle with the chocolate bars. <gasps> yeah, oh, I'll just look at that. But he's so hot. How many times can I look at him? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. 
<laughs> so be consistent. No matter how you feel, no matter how much you want to go back to your old ways, that stinky hag is beckoning, beckoning to you, you're going to stick to your new habit. You're going to let what God has put in you, who he has made you, who he has called you to be, the plan and purpose he has for you, you keep on walking towards that. Don't be tempted to go back to your old self because you're a new creation. Don't go back. Don't go back. Come follow me. Now Jesus says, don't go back. You're actually, he says, you're not worthy of him if you go back. It's a pretty hard word. He doesn't like it when we go back because you're actually insulting him. He died on that cross. He was crucified for us. He bled for us. He was beaten for us. And he's given us a new creation. He's given us a new body. He's given us a brand spanking new spirit. He's given us a new home in heaven. And we go back and dip that stinking thing back up again. Just for effect. (laughs) We do. We go back. We go back. And Jesus says, don't go back. Don't go back. Because when you go back, it pulls you. And if you've been going back, you drew a line in the sand right now. And you said, I will not go back. I will not go back. And devil, you come this far and no further. You've got to draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. You don't go back. And if you've been going back, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I don't want to go back anymore. I don't want to be messing around with that corpse anymore. Thank you that I'm a new creation. And you start to speak and declare who you are in Christ, that you're a new creation, that you are worthy, you are washed by the blood of the Lamb, that no temptation is going to be too much for you because he, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that no demon in hell, no demon in hell can separate you from the love of God. You speak and you declare, and that old hag will get back in the grave. You got that. You don't have to go back. When temptation screams at you, whether it's a sexual temptation or a sugar temptation or a mental temptation, you tell that back to get back. Stay away from it. Run the other way. When you go, ask yourself, what am I doing? What am I doing? Is this a good habit? Is this a good way to think? Is this helping me to live my best life? Ask yourself regularly every day, what am I doing with my day? What am I thinking about? You know, I've talked about that before. Pull down your thoughts and examine your thoughts and think about what you think about. Listen to who you're listening to. Oh, Isabella. Listen to who you're listening to. You're listening to me. Listen to who you're listening to. You know, there's people that sometimes can get in your world and they they spew stuff straight from the hag's mouth. Blah, 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 unforgiveness, bitterness. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they get in your ear and they stir up that old self, don't they? They stir it up, stir it up, and you feel... Come on now. You do. You know those people. Just <laughs> get off. I don't want that corpse on me. Give me a shower, Lord. Shower's a blessing. <laughs> it's true. You know I'm right. Now, don't you be one of those old corpsey things. And if you have been, I kill that thing. I'm, I'm, I kill that thing. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Now, replace the habits. If you want to break a bad habit, you replace them. As you worry, what do you do? You have to replace the negative thoughts with positive, faith-filled thoughts. Then every time you're tempted to worry, use that use, you know, as a reminder and you know, dwell on the good things of God. Think on those things that are lovely and, and true and praiseworthy and good, Philippians 4 said. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Think on those things that lift you up, that set your mind on heaven. You know, I have cards. When I'm getting hammered, you know, I have cards that I'll write down and I'll be getting attacked in my thoughts, I'll be getting attacked in my emotions. I write down the promises of God and I hammer that hag. I hammer. I have my vacuuming songs. Yeah, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And you know, and I get, look, I get hammered just as much as you guys, maybe more. Yeah? The enemy comes, and you know, spirits that try to track you. There's evil spirits that try to track you, and they are habitual spirits that try and trap you over and over again in the same habit. They go, oh yeah, we'll just, we'll just tag along. And sometimes we hold their hand. And the habitual spirits say, come along. And you've got you to tell that, that spirit to get off. You know, there's spirits that hover over areas, and we've been naming them and shaming them. You know, there's a spirit of disappointment and a spirit of despair and hopefulness, and we, you stick it to them. You know, and I, we've been praying about them, and, and that week after we prayed, boy, did they come at me. No, 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 nothing's going to work. You're a big fake. Blah, 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 blah. And I realized, and I go, hang on a minute. That's not of God. And you name that thing. You say, spirit of despair, you get off me. Spirit of hopelessness and failure, you get off me. Spirit of disappointment, you get off me. Spirit of poverty, you get off me. God will supply my need. you got to name it and shame it and stick your foot on it and tell it where to go. Yeah? If you have a spirit of strife that comes in your house, you, have, you draw a line in the, in the in, you know, at the front door. So you don't come any further. This is my home. March around, anoint your fence with oil. This is, you know, no, you do it because what you do in the natural is happening in the spirit and whatever you do in the spirit is happening in the natural. You can march around with your bottle of olive oil, march around your yard. Come on now. March around the yard and anoint your home with oil, which is a sign of the Holy Spirit, and say, this is holy ground. Go right through your house and anoint every door with a cross. This is, this is holy ground. This is God's space. Have no room for anything else. Don't you let that hag come creeping and banging at the door. You see strife and worry and despair and disunity and sickness come and lurking in your house. Tell you what, you nail it to them. You nail that hag. Because the hag's just the devil. <laughs> It's all the things of the flesh and the law, the things where the enemy has tried to wreck mankind. Amen? Jesus broke all that. He's given us all we need. It's our responsibility to appropriate that into our life. If you can see stuff that isn't right in your life, if you can see where you've got bad habits, don't stay there. Lift your lid. Live the best life God has wanted to give you. He died for it. He's done everything he's going to do. Now he says, come on now. Who are you? Look yourself in the mirror and say, who are you? Because you know what God says? He says, you're chosen, 
you're a royal priesthood, you're clothed with power, you have resurrection power on the inside of you, every DNA, molecule, cell, zings with new life. You belong in heaven. He says that he'll quicken our mortal bodies. He says that. The past is the past, dead and buried. Did we get that? Have we got that this morning? That past is dead and buried. I don't want to see that hag coming in here. I don't want to see or hear that the hag's been in your house. Get rid of that hag. If you, you know, draw, I want you to, when you come home today, I want you to draw a line together or by yourself and just go and pace it out. That's your grounds. That's your territory. That's, that, God has given you that. Don't let, don't let that come in your house. Have a clean out if you need to. Have a clean out. Don't let the old habits of your dead life steal your new life from you. Amen? Feed the good habits, starve the bad ones, and your good habits will determine your future. You're, gonna, you're not going to recognize your house or your household or yourself in a year's time if you do that. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you're such an awesome God. I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is ours, Lord, that we have life in you. Lord, I pray for every person here that you would just speak to them, show them where they've been having things that are from that dead corpse and allowing that to creep back into their life, Lord. I pray that you would just reveal it to them. And Lord, that we would all make a choice to live the best life, the highest life, the life that you've called us. Lord, that that would just spring up as we yield to you. Lord, that we would have nothing to do with the dead. We'd have nothing to do with the ways of the flesh, that we would live by the Spirit. Lord, and I pray that you would just lift us all higher, that as we set our minds on heavenly things, that we would experience heavenly things. I release that over each person, that they would experience heavenly things. Lord, as we lift our eyes higher, if we lift... Lift our lives to you, Lord, and we say we will live before you. That we make a habit to live before you, Lord. Release that over each one, Lord. Break off the things of death. Break off the things of death in Jesus' name. Break off the things of the past in Jesus' name. Break off sin and unforgiveness and addictions in the name of Jesus. We break those things. They're they're the hag thing and we want nothing to do with them. We break them off. We flick them off. They're under our feet. They're nothing to do with us. We're a new creation. Just Just speak it out over your lives. Speak it out. Speak it out. You're a new creation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that the words that you've laid on my heart and I've spoken this morning, that they would sink deep into our hearts and souls. Lord, they renew our minds, that we would just know who, in a greater way today, who we're called to be. Set us free, Lord, because who the Son sets free is free indeed. We pray blessing, Lord. Blessing. Just release the blessing in Jesus' name. Release the blessing. Amen. Amen.